Welcome into Daily Wager Extra. I am Doug Kazarian. We are taping this on Thursday, November 11th, 11-11. Um, we're going to break down the card coming up, but Mr. Executive Director John Murray is traveling out of the country for a wedding, a buddy's wedding. So he is off this week, and we will have Matt Humans of VSIN step in. Of course, you heard him on these podcasts in the past. Does a great job. Las Vegas veteran. I've known him for about 15 years, and he's been handicapping even longer as both of us have, so I'll go. We'll break down the card. He'll relay some um, good information from odds makers and from sharp betters he's spoken to. Really good insight. We'll touch on every game. So no baby bankroll bonanza this week. Didn't want to, you know, have one guy playing on the pod and the other one on vacation. We'll check with Murray if we want to do some Twitter uh, plays. But I definitely took it on the chin again with the stupid Rams team total. Just such a flat effort. Um, Titans give them all the credit in the world, but you know, it was Matthew Stafford throwing the pick six and just kind of turned the ball over. This, they didn't respond well. I'll say that they'd made some adjustments in the second half that Chris Collinsworth pointed out on the broadcast, but just too little too late for LA. But what a, uh, crazy weekend last was the last weekend was the, the books did really well, a lot of upsets. So we'll see what this week has in store. Several double digit favorites are around nine and a half to 10 and a half, uh, favorites this weekend. We'll get into that straight ahead with Matt humans. Sounds to me like you guys a couple of bookies. Good to be joined by an old friend of the podcast, Matt Humans of Vegas Stats and Information Network, joining us now. Big shoes to fill, Humans. Murray on vacation, so you got to step right in. Yeah, it's tough to uh, follow John Murray, that's for sure. He's a, he's a tough act to follow, but we'll do our best today, Doug. All right, so <laughs> let's uh, let's start with tonight's game. It's mm-hmm. kind of intriguing because you know I, my initial instinct was to grab the points with Miami just because. Baltimore is one of those teams where you think they're going to lose, they win. When you think they're going to win easily, they uh, have a nail-biter or lose outright. But I just cannot back Jacoby Brissett. The the lack of awareness when he's around there, he's just so limited. If he's going tonight, I I just have to take the Ravens and I'll lay the points on the road even. Yeah, I think what's uh, happening here with a lot of bookmakers is uh, they're they're preparing for a lot of teaser action on the Ravens. We see a lot of big favorites on the NFL board this week, and uh, I think it's even tough for a lot of public bettors to lay some of these type of numbers in the NFL, but it's easy for people to tease these numbers. And, uh, you know, I talked to Chris Andrews out to South Point, and he wanted to initially bump this number up to eight just because he felt a little bit better if people were teasing uh, the Ravens down to two instead of one and a half, but, you know, because you can't really jack the number up to eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. Uh, I I like to I lean to the Dolphins a little bit here, catching seven and a half. I agree with your assessment of the Ravens. I, I feel like they're a team that um, you don't know what you're going to get from game to game. Last week, a lot of people thought they were going to roll over the Vikings. They were lucky to get the win. Uh, so a lot of people thought they were going to roll over the Colts in that Monday night game. They were lucky to rally and uh, get the win, and the Colts kind of collapsed in the second half. So the Dolphins are an in- interesting case. They looked uh, pretty good on the opening. Uh, a day against the Patriots, and they've looked pretty bad since. But at seven and a half, I would lean to the Dolphins. I did not bet it. Uh, I do have the Ravens on a teaser, minus one and a half. I think that's going to be the most popular way to play this game. Sidebar to this is the MVP buzz Lamar Jackson is getting. Now he's nine to one. Obviously, there's a lot of higher profile, not higher, but uh, quarterbacks with better records, I should say, um, ahead of him or on the betting board. But I'll say this, the year he won it, Harbaugh was shameless in primetime games, just loading up and padding the stats like no other because it's an ego thing for Harbaugh to win, get have his quarterback win the MVP when many people thought he couldn't do it. 
So I think there was a flex. I mean, you got you can get Harbaugh thirty five to one to win Coach of the Year as well. And so if the Ravens survive what I think is the most competitive division in football, they may get a one or two seed in the AFC because the NFC has the one loss teams, the AFC has the two loss. Mm-hmm. So if it's the Bills, maybe I think there's value here in some of the futures market and. 35 to 1 for Harbaugh. If if Lamar Jackson doesn't get the MVP, maybe it's a consolation prize for coach of the year. We have a long ways to go. We have 10 games left. Uh but I don't know. It, there's there's some there's some potential there to kind of incorporate for this primetime, you know, Ice Island game. Yeah, I I would agree with the the John Harbaugh sentiment. I've always had a high opinion of him, and I think if you're looking at to bet the coach of the year odds, you have to look at longer shots. So just look at last week. I don't think there are any great teams in the NFL that you can count on from week to week. And uh, we saw last week, Sean McDermott and the Bills, Sean McVay and the Rams. They took a hit. Those were two of the guys around 10 to 1. You could have found on the coach of the year market that both lost as uh, favorites last week, pretty big favorites. So, yeah, I would look at a longer shot like Harbaugh because that you're right, that division is uh, top to bottom, I would say, the uh, the best in the NFL. I'm not sure there's a great team in that division. Like you said, it's it's hard to find many great teams in the NFL. But, yeah, at those odds, I would look at Harbaugh. He did win it a couple of years ago, so there's a little voter fatigue. Rarely do coaches kind of repeat within a few years. Uh, let's go to Sunday. I, I cannot bet the Green Bay-Seattle game, given the Rodgers uncertainty, and even like a Russell Wilson uncertainty to a certain extent. Now, I know Green Bay's been rolling. They've covered every game since week one. But the Rodgers' potential, I mean, he hasn't passed protocol. Um we have Green Bay three and a half here. There's a couple threes here and there, but mostly three and a half. How would you approach this game? It's interesting because this number was around five at the beginning of the week. Right. There were whispers that Russell Wilson might actually come back, even though projections were that he was he was not going to make his return until later. But uh, Pete Carroll said this week, he you wouldn't even know he's injured the way he's running through practice, and he, he looks fine. So with Russell Wilson coming back, uh, Books has been seeing some sharp money this week on the Seahawks. And obviously Aaron Rodgers' status contributes to that because uh, we have no idea if he's going to play. I mean, what would you put it at, 50-50? Would have 60-40 that he's going to play? I don't, I don't know. Uh, but with Russell Wilson coming back, that's why you're seeing sharp money on the dog in that game. And by the way, the Seahawks, 3-0 and against the spread with Geno Smith at quarterback. You know he's covered eight or nine in a row starts. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's the machine Bridgewater. Like, you just can't bet against them. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Russell Wilson, by the way, if that line gets to four, that's the magic number. He's 10-1 and one ATS in his career as an, as an underdog of four or more. No, it, it's kind of funny how it all plays out. Um, I don't. It's almost like I've forgotten how, what Seattle looks like without Wilson. I, their defense has impressed me sometimes, and obviously Metcalf and you know the receiving core, I, I just don't trust Pete Carroll anymore, but the Packers are not dominant either. So for me, I have to just wait. I just, you know, we talk about the NBA with load management and even the COVID era we live in for all these sports is, you know, sometimes you just get bad numbers because of late scratches. I, I, the, the, the volatility and the variance of this line, it just has me just passing until I know more uh, inputs. Well, that's probably the smart way to play it, but I would lean, I would lean Seahawks with the information we have today at uh plus three and a half. But uh, I think Russell Wilson agrees with you. He would not trust Pete Carroll either. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. Let's go to Sunday night. Uh, such an intriguing game here in Las Vegas. We had a similar matchup uh, in terms of Sunday night football a year ago. Chiefs and Raiders came down to the end. Raiders had the lead, and then Mahomes with a game-winning drive. But this is not the same Mahomes this season. Whether Kansas City has lost sort of that swagger, that moxie, the defense has been putrid until the last couple of weeks. I mean, could be opponent 
related, but at least they've looked somewhat competent at times. Chiefs laying less than a field goal here to a Raider team that's obviously has the human element incorporated to what's going on lately. I kind of come back on the Chiefs here. I've been fading them the last couple of weeks. I think I lean KC here. Well, you probably should have been fading the Chiefs for the last two years. Yeah. Uh, you know, 3-16-1 and one against the spread in the past 20 uh, for the Chiefs. And everybody keeps thinking, or at least a lot of people keep thinking, when they're going to flip the switch, right? They're going to... Uh, they're going to get this thing right. They got too much talent, but it's not happening. At some point, you have to believe what you uh, what you're seeing, and this is just who the Chiefs are. I I still think they got probably a couple breakout games in them. But the thing is, teams have um, the, the Chiefs have not adjusted the way teams are defending them. Whether it's Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, whatever their offensive philosophy is not adjusted. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they start to put some numbers up on the board against the Raiders. This week, these two teams played two shootouts last season. By the way, Derek Carr was really good against the Chiefs last year. Six touchdowns, led the Raiders to 71 points in the two games. Uh, the Raiders are 5-1 and one against the spread. Their last six is div division home dogs, and they were one play away, essentially, for, from sweeping the Chiefs last year. I think a lot of people tend to forget that. Uh, the difference with the Chiefs right now, they're turning the ball over two times. Or their turnover deficit's minus two. Uh, per game. That's worst in the NFL. And uh, it's tough to win in this league when you turn the ball over. The Raiders have improved dramatically defensively from a year ago when they ranked 30th in scoring defense. They allowed 29.9 points a game. Gus Bradley's made a big difference yeah. in uh, the Raiders' defense. And uh, I think it's a much better team all around. What you're seeing on this game is when the number goes to three, you get sharp money on the Raiders plus three. And I think you're going to get a lot of public play on the Chiefs minus two and a half. So even against the Raiders, I know it's not quite the Golden Knights, but there's been a lot of like local love on Las Vegas here in town. So I, um, so on a Sunday night, I mean the Sunday night game dictates the weekend typically, uh, for the most part, of course. But you think the, the public money will be Chiefs, not Raiders? Well, it just depends. I mean, when I'm, when I'm talking about public money, I'm talking on a national basis, national, too, yeah. not just the the Las Vegas books. You know what the Westgate's going to see or what Circa is going to see. Uh, I'm not sure that that many people bet with their heart to just bet the home team. Hey, I'm going to bet the Raiders. I think that you got plenty of Chiefs fans out of here too. You got a lot of Broncos fans out of here, things like that. So I don't think it's the same as the Vegas Golden Knights effect. I would not. No, no, uh, no, it's not it, at all. No. I will. Uh, so you, you mentioned the turnovers. Mahomes was leading the league in interceptions going into last week, and he's now one behind Burrow and Darnold, but just remarkable. Yep. KC, four and 16 against the spread in their last 20. And you're right about we all expect the Chiefs to flip the switch, but look who they've beaten. This, these are just outright wins. You got the week one Cleveland game, right? Down double digits. Mahomes is incredible in the second half. They beat, come back and beat Cleveland at home. Then they have three wins against the non-Cowboys teams in the NFC East, so the three bad teams in the NFC East. Mm -hmm. And then they also beat the Packers at home without Rodgers, barely. So, you know, they've played okay in some of these uh, games against winning teams, but they're just not beating them. It's, it's remarkable, but... Uh, by the way, Allegiant Stadium overs are ten and two. But to your point, the Raiders' defense is a little bit better this year, and the new interim coach—they—they he's definitely like a player's coach, and they've rallied around him. They lost that first game with the Gruden weekend and all that to the Bears, and then a couple nice wins. We'll see if they respond after the last week's loss at the Giants. So, the rest of the uh, Sunday card, a lot of double-digit favorites, and not all double-digit favorites are created equal. So this this Dallas game has come up to nine and a half, so not quite double digits. 
Colts are 10.5 to Jacksonville. We just saw Indy blow out the Jets, although almost got backdoored on Thursday yeah, night. No kidding. Tampa Bay is 9.5, 10, but mostly 9.5 at Washington. I think Washington stinks, and I've been ahead of the curve on that most of the season. Arizona, 10.5 or 10 to Carolina. So what do you, anything stand out here? Um, maybe some late sharp money to buy on the on the dog here. Oh yeah, Buffalo minus a twelve at the Jets, and the legend that is Mike White will be starting for New York. Yeah, believe it or not, I've had two bookmakers mention this week that they're seeing some sharp money on the Jets. Yeah, and um, I don't know if that's a reflection of uh, how well Mike White and his receivers play. Believe me, there were plenty of yards after the catch. It was not all Mike White when he threw for 405 yards. Oh, his average pass downfield was like 3.4 yards or something exactly. ridiculous. It was all right. short hitches. Yeah, so the hype was a little bit over the top uh, there. But uh, the Bills were so bad last week. You know, the Jags totaled 218 yards and won that game. That's ridiculous. That should not, be, that should not happen to a team the caliber of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but laying this type of number on the road, a lot of times you're going to get sharp money on the dog, and you're seeing a little bit. I'm not going to say you're seeing a ton, but books are seeing a little bit on the Jets in that situation. I haven't heard much at all in terms of action on this Jaguars-Colts game. It's um... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I guess it's one of those situations where you're probably going to get a lot more public play on the Colts and in parlays and things like that. The Jags have actually covered three in a row against the Colts but in a couple of those games. You had big numbers like you do in this one. I think it's uh, it's very difficult. I'm a, I am probably play 80% dogs in the NFL. Uh, I'm not going to be on the Jaguars in this game. The, the Colts were up 32 on the Jets. They should have won that game going away. They just let off the gas, almost let the Jets in the back door. Like you said, the Jets had first and goal, probably should have gotten the back door, if not for that tip pass. And that's one reason I don't like to lay those huge numbers in the NFL, but I have not heard much about that game from any bookmakers uh, this week. As far as the other big favorites, the, the Buccaneers, how about this, Doug? They're 0-4 ATS on the road uh, this season. And Tom yep. Brady does not have a very good road spread record in uh, the past several years. On the flip side, the Washington football team, John Murray's team, 1-7 ATS all season. And um, one thing uh, one thing I do want to point out here, now the Bucks are off a bye. A lot of handicappers always assume, you hear this a lot, uh, well, they're off a bye, they're rested, and a lot of handicappers assume they're, they're going to play really well out of a bye. I tend to think uh, the bye disrupts a team's rhythm I like to bet against teams off a of bye a lot of times. And this year in the NFL, teams off a of bye are three and nine against the spread. Uh, so I think that's just something to keep in mind that don't automatically think that because the team's off the of bye, it's in a great scheduling situation. Uh, as far as the Carolina Arizona game, there's some variables in that one with uh, Arizona, a double digit favorite with uh, Kyler Murray that makes that one kind of tricky to handicap. And, I really haven't heard one bookmaker mention anything in terms of action on that game this week. 
It's a great point about the buy because some teams need it. It all depends. All it's all nuanced, right? So later in the season, if a team's kind of hitting a wall, the buy's uh, helpful. Sure. If a team's in a rhythm, you don't want the buy, right? right. You're on a roll, and so you're right. Most people assume that it's a good thing, and it's really a case by case situation. So that's a, a excellent point. Good thing for our listeners to note, uh, just across college football too, um, and. Uh, and then, obviously, historically, some teams are really good. Like, Harbaugh's been great off a of bye, but last week it didn't work so much at ATS. Andy Reid, we know that. Uh, it, it just all depends uh, on the situations. The one line that jumped out to me at the beginning of the week, I just thought was stupid, and, of course, the market did move that way, was the Chargers 2.5. I'm like, why isn't this thing 3? Minnesota loses all these close games. Chargers will get public money. It's the afternoon game. And, sure enough, it's now 3 minus 20. Do you think it goes higher than 3.5? Or, excuse me, do you think it goes higher than 3 to 3.5? I do not, uh, because I think there's going to be enough sharp interest on the Vikings. Right. And, you know, I kind of like the Vikings in this spot, too. One thing about the the Chargers, and you saw a lot of sharp groups, or at least a couple, come in early and hammer uh, the Eagles last week against the Chargers. If you look at the Chargers' run defense, it's awful. And uh, what can the Vikings do? They can run the ball well. So I think fundamentally it's a bad matchup uh, for the Chargers. Plus the Vikings are just a strange team. You mentioned that with the Ravens how uh, sometimes they do the opposite of what you expect. And the Vikings are kind of the same way. I think they've got four losses now by four points or fewer. <laughs> and uh, they just find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Did it again last week at Baltimore. There's no excuse for the Vikings losing that home game to the Cowboys on Sunday night the previous week. Uh, but they find ways to lose. But they sometimes rise up in big spots. As an underdog on the road, uh, they should have beat the Arizona Cardinals in week two, right? If not for a chip shot missed field goal. So there's thing, there are things to like about the Vikings, even though they let you down in a lot of big spots. And I historically do not like to bet the Chargers when they're home favorites. If you go back to 2014, they're 16, 27 and one against the spread as home favorites or two and two. Uh, this year, but it really didn't matter if it's Phillip Rivers or if it's uh, Justin Herbert, the Chargers, and you could say, well, they don't have a great home field advantage. I think home field advantage has been rather um, meaningless in the NFL across the board this season, but the Chargers have been uh, have been really bad as home favorites for several, several years now. I just think the matchup is the biggest thing to me. When I handicap this, the Vikings can run the ball, the Chargers can't stop the run, and that's going to be a problem for the Chargers in this game. Minnesota's played seven one-score games this year, highest in the NFL. Uh, three of those games, um, three overtime. <laughs> so, uh, and four decided by three points or fewer. It's All their losses are one-score, too, as well. So, you don't want to lay too many points against Minnesota. I do like the Chargers here just because I don't trust Zimmer. I think they're a weak team. But to your point, in the defense, that's the other thing. This Not just this year, but the last couple of years. Their defense, home road splits, is outrageous. And when I did a story a year ago, on like how the handicap, excuse me, odds makers are approaching no fans and stuff like that. The one thing I learned just is I guess like the red zone defense for Minnesota at home was top three or five in the NFL, them in Denver the last five years, right? So just the crowd noise, red zone defense for what it's worth. Um, so Minnesota on the road, I mean, it's like they're almost giving up twice as many points. It's crazy. So all their road games have gone over this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, even just the last couple of years, historically, just the home defense at home way better than the uh, defense on the road. And, and you look at the way the Vikings played on the road. Like I said, they should have beat the Cardinals. They should have beat the Ravens, right? Those are pretty good teams. They should have beat on the road and uh, they found ways to lose. And, uh, you know, at home, 
they found a way to lose to the Cowboys and Cooper Rush. So it's a very difficult team to handicap. But I, I don't think it goes to three and a half because this is a that uh, Circa is right now is at three minus one twenty. So is the Westgate Superbook. I think when you go to three and a half, you get sharp money on the Vikings plus three and a half. Three is the most common margin of victory since the extra point moved back in two thousand. I think sixteen, may have been fifteen. Fourteen point four percent of games have landed exactly three points. So by far the most common margin of victory. I think next is seven. Um, let's go to this Tennessee Titans team. I, I was heavy betting into them a week ago. I just, you know, every other team had a flat spot, right? You saw the Cowboys lay an egg. You saw other teams coming off big wins lay an egg. And of course, t- the one team I bet against does not. So yeah. Tennessee, four straight games as an underdog, four straight wins as an underdog. Uh, obviously have the division wrapped up, but they have the best record in the AFC right now. They're laying the full three here. At home to New Orleans, Trevor Simeon, the quarterback for the Saints now, obviously with Jameis Winston out. I'm kind of done betting against this Titans team, but I will say their run game looked pretty pretty um, meager uh, and weak just because after the Derrick Henry injury. So it's just hard to get behind this Tennessee team, although the defense is playing well. Here's the thing about the Titans. Uh, this Derrick Henry absence is going to show up, and um... – it's going to, the Titans are going to feel it at some point. They did not last week because as Matthew Stafford said after the game, quote, I basically spotted them 14 points. Yeah. And, you know, you can't do that in this league, obviously. And that was a big reason the Rams were a flop on Sunday night. I was with you. I had the Rams on a teaser like almost everybody else I do. And uh, the Titans, it's, it's remarkable. They've won four big time games in a row, uh, beat the Bills, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Rams. I think this could be a flat spot here coming off that big win against the Rams. By the way, the Saints have been good in this role. They're 3-0 and straight up as dogs this season, and they beat good teams. They beat the Packers, the Patriots, and the Bucks. And uh, I thought Trevor Simeon played pretty well last week after the Saints fell behind 24-6 to uh, to rally his team to take the 25-24 lead. Uh, you, I have talked to uh, a few bookmakers and – I get different reports on where the sharp money is, but all three of them said sharp money on the Saints. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, New Orleans is the way I'm playing it. I just don't know how involved I'm going to get. Uh, under Sean Payton, New Orleans, 49-26 and 26 off a loss. But obviously mm-hmm. Drew Brees in the peak Drew Brees years, a large uh, you know role in that one. Intriguing game. Patriots may be starting to figure things out. Obviously, had the close losses at home to Tampa Bay and Dallas. They beat up on bad teams as well. Sam Darnold continues to see ghosts. That was a one-sided game, at least a one-sided second half a week ago. Now they're hosting the Browns. It's a, I'm very intrigued by this matchup because Cleveland is probably more talented. But Belichick will scheme, especially a team that like Cleveland is kind of limited in terms of like the offensive playbook. They don't do a whole lot. That funky. I think Belichick can make you, you know, they say make you play left-handed. I'm I'm curious to see how he does this. And then the offense is starting to get a little momentum. The Browns were not playing that well uh, before they went to Cincinnati and blew out the Bengals last week. And with Baker Mayfield, it's always a roller coaster ride. You know, he's up one week, down the next. I this is one game I played early in the week. I played the Patriots minus one and a half. Uh, you're starting to see two and a halves pop up some places, but I've been pro Patriots, Doug, you and I talked about it in the preseason. I was really high on this team. And then uh, I got really disappointed when the Patriots blew all those early home games. They had a great schedule, oh, uh, no. five of the first seven games at home, and they went one and four in those games. But then the Pats go on the road. Now they've won and covered three in a row. They went out to Chargers, beat the Panthers on the road, so they're back uh, in position to be a playoff team. 
and this is a, a monster game really for both of these teams in the AFC this week. Uh, the running back situation for the Browns, obviously far from ideal, especially with the COVID issues. We know Kareem Hunt's out. Nick, Nick Chubb, we're not sure if he's going to play or not. Demetric Felton has also got COVID. So it's uh, I think this sets up well for the Patriots. Uh, they've improved against the pass. The run defense is solid. I think the whole team complements Mac Jones really well, and he's an efficient quarterback. He's completed 68% of his passes. He really doesn't make many – Dumb throws at all. Not very, not too many turnover-worthy plays uh, out of Mac Jones. And uh, the Patriots can run the ball very effectively. And all that stuff helps a rookie quarterback. So I know you've, uh, for years, touted Bill Belichick as an ATM. But that was Belichick and Brady. And uh, early this season, Belichick let us down in a couple of big spots. But I'm on him here again. I, I think this Patriots team's really starting to uh, find its groove. And uh, I thought it was kind of a buy low spot here, getting getting the pats at minus one and a half early in the week. I liked your label of roller coaster. That's basically what Baker Mayfield is. I think he's limited throwing the ball. They do some nice things. <clears throat> they fit well together. I, I think that the play action, the stretch, you know, play action stretch runs kind of thing. I do like New England here. I think Cleveland's. I mean, let's face it, it's a flat spot. That was a big win, given the hoopla with Odell Beckham Jr. going into that game. That was a nice win. A little bit of a flat spot here, but back-to-back road games. I like the Patriots. Uh, and, and to your point, you got a good number. I think it's trending in that direction. Oh, I saved the I saved the best game for last. Man, this game is terrible. Pittsburgh hosting Detroit. I can't watch the Steelers. I'm so sick of them. I, I just can't watch that offense. Big Ben is so limited. I'm starting to think Detroit. I know they're frisky and they play hard, and you know the back door. I actually think there's a there's a solid chance they go zero and seventeen. I think there's some plus four seventy fives in town. Right. The, the Thanksgiving home game to the Bears will be interesting, but I uh, this Detroit team is like really bad. And Pittsburgh, I can't lay eight. I mean, obviously the, this has teaser written all over it, um, but I can't lay eight with Pittsburgh. They're just too vanilla when they get a lead. Well, it's smoke and mirrors. And uh, you have to give Mike Tomlin a lot of credit because the guy's never had a losing season as coach. And this is, uh, this might be well, – I'm not going to say the worst. This is one of his worst teams, or at least uh, this team's very limited offensively. It's uh, probably the worst offensive team he's had at this point. And that's why uh, you said the key thing there. I think anyone who's looking to play the Steelers here has got to be looking to put the Steelers on a teaser. you got to knock this down to – minus two or two and a half if you're going to play it that way. I just can't get on the Lions side no matter what. Uh, you know, I've got a do not bet list in the NFL, and the Lions are on it, and it seems like they're on it almost every year. So uh, even though, by the way, you might want to look under. The Lions have gone under the total in five of their last six, and the one game that went under or went over, they scored six points. That was that 44-6 loss to the Eagles. So <laughs> the Lions have been playing uh, low-scoring games. This total is low, 42 and a half. Uh, but like I said, five of the last six have gone under. Hey, the Steelers probably should have lost. Well, that fumbled punt certainly helped out the Bears. Matt Nagy just has no idea when to go for it. Uh, he loves field goals. He loves punts. Uh, he's not aggressive enough as a coach. But the the Steelers tried to blow that game to the Bears Monday night. And the, the officials, I thought, whistles really favored the Steelers and helped them escape with that win. So like I said, I, I kind of get the sense – that the Steelers team's doing it with smoke and mirrors. It's a well-coached team. Uh, the defense has not played up to the level we expected, but it's a pretty sound defense. The only way I could play this game would be to look under or to play the Steelers on a teaser. 
Yeah, I mean, that defense is pretty solid against a team like Detroit. I think Goff stinks. I said at the beginning of the year, I thought he would be replaced by David Blau. We'll see. Got some. Uh-huh. Got a few weeks left. Um, right. You mentioned the unders. That's certainly uh, applicable here. I, but you wet my appetite here. Who who else is on the do not bet list this year? I'm curious. Well, I had the Jets and the Jags and the Texans. I mean, Doug, you, yeah. I call you the betting bully because you <laughs> like to pick on the worst teams in the league. And uh, I'm certainly – I know a lot of sharp bettors – think there's value in betting those really bad teams each week. Well, this number's inflated this, you know, I don't get sucked into that when I'm betting the NFL. I try, I look for dogs, but I don't play the worst dogs on the board. I don't play the ugly, the ugliest underdogs on the board. I look for quality underdogs, you know, and I I guess you could throw the Vikings kind of in that category. Like Vikings last week was a quality underdog getting a lot of points. Six. Those are the type of dogs I look for. Not the lions, the Texans, the jets or the Jaguars. Uh, Detroit, New York Jets, and Houston are the three teams that have been an underdog in every game this season. They're not exactly dogs by one or two either. Uh, Philly, Denver, we haven't touched on before getting to Monday night. I this Broncos team, I think I've been wrong in every game this year. I had them against Baltimore at home, and then you know the Ravens came in there and smacked them. Bridgewater, obviously solid. Uh, I did have them last week. I will say that I did grab the points against Dallas, who finally suffered an ATS loss. I don't like this Philly team at all. Uh, sure, they beat up on the Lions. Looked like world beaters there. They were competitive against the Chargers. As you mentioned earlier, they got sharp money at home. Now they're in Denver. This has under written on it, written all over for me at 45. Yes. Uh, in fact, you can find 45 and a half out there, I think, in a couple spots, including Circa. Right now, the Westgate's at 45. But uh, I, I would agree. I think it's an under game. Hey, the Eagles have gone to really run heavy offense. Uh, it, it's kind of... Uh, what you have to do with Jalen Hurts. Plus, they got some backs who can move the sticks even without Miles Sanders. By the way, the Broncos' run defense has not been that sound. It's allowed 5.1 yards of carry in the last wow. three games. You talked about Teddy Bridgewater early here. He's 19-3. and three. I think ATS is a road dog in his career. Uh, that's remarkable. Uh, but he's a home favorite in this spot. And I think this line kind of tells you something here. With the, with the, the Broncos laying t- uh, two and a half at home, uh, it, it almost looks too easy to bet Denver off that really impressive performance last week against Dallas. Now, I like to bet against a team that overachieved the previous week in all areas, and that's what the Broncos did. I mean, that performance came out of nowhere. This is a side note, Doug. Can you explain to me, down 30 to nothing with five minutes to go in the game, why Mike McCarthy's got Dak Prescott, who's been injury-plagued for a year, running around trying to pile up garbage-time stats in the last five minutes of a 30-point game? It's my biggest beef in football. So, like, in college, if it's early in the season, because they don't have preseason games, I can understand teams that are getting blown out kind of doing some two-minute offense. But I remember standing with you at the Westgate about a decade ago, maybe longer, probably like 12 years, and it was the Rams, and excuse me, the Cardinals on the road at the Giants. They were getting, or maybe Baltimore. And Anquan Bolden got his face rearranged trying to catch a touchdown from Kurt Warner yep. in a blowout loss and like a minute and a half left. And I'm like, why are these guys in, like, they're going to get hurt? And of course, Bolden missed a bunch of games, and it's just it get, I get so mad that these teams like th- like they should be running kind of just you know drain the clock stuff in the last couple minutes or have the scrubs in. It, it's so stupid, and there's going to be more injuries. And to your point, I, I don't know why Dak coming off the injury is even in the game. Um, it, it's just mind boggling. So at some yeah. point, we're going to see significant injuries, and then finally, it's going to stop. Like you know, the Herm Edwards miracle at the Meadowlands. Eventually, that led to t- teams figuring out they can take a knee. Well, eventually this is going to happen, and then teams are going to be down big, and they're going to be just running power eye. 
you know, uh, I understand the thinking of wanting to avoid a shutout and things like that, but you've got a quarterback. He's your franchise. He's been, like I said, injury plagued for a year. Why is he running around out there in the last five minutes? I look at Mike McCarthy. Well, he's also an idiot, McCarthy. I mean, that, that's the stands, other answer. I know. When he wears that hat with a big D on it, I always say that stands for doofus. But, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about sharp money. There is some on the Eagles this week at three. I've heard from bookmakers, and I, I kind of like the Eagles here catching three, uh, but it's got to be three. I'm not taking the two and a half, obviously, but the Eagles have drawn some sharp money, and so have the Falcons against the Cowboys this week. Uh, the Falcons catching nine, nine and a half at Dallas. By the way, the Falcons have played six straight games decided by seven points or fewer, and if you look at Matt Ryan's numbers and the Falcons' offensive numbers over the past five games, very impressive. Uh, Dallas might have been in a flat spot last week, yes, but uh, – you, you have seen some sharp money this week on the Eagles and to a lesser extent on the Falcons. Yeah, Atlanta's a little bit better. I've kind of like forgotten about them. They're actually in the playoff mix when you factor in the extra wild card that was added a year ago. To your point, mm -hmm. Matt Ryan's playing a little better. I mean, the Ridley absence is certainly significant, but Kyle Pitts-McGee has been sort of taking the next step. He's a rookie, but he's obviously a stud. So uh, give Atlanta some credit. They have new, new coaching staff. Uh, they're doing some decent things, and – for understandable reasons, New Orleans and Tampa Bay get all the attention in that division. But Atlanta's been a little frisky, and they've had some. That was a that was an impressive win a week ago, although blew the lead, but then still came back to get the game-winning field goal. So, right, I can see the plus nine and a half on that. Let's go to Monday night. This this number feels light, but the Rams, excuse me, the Niners as a home dog. I mean Shanahan. It's basically pretty simple. Just don't bet on him as a favorite. Definitely not a home favorite, but as a dog, he's much better. But the Rams feel like such the right spot here at minus four. I think I think Jimmy G's basically done. <laughs> he just he's in his own head, and the offense. There's not like guys open either, though. Yeah, the problem is Trey Lance is not ready to start. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan's got to really regret what he did trading up to the, uh, trading up in the draft like that. I think his initial plan was to to take Mac Jones, and then the more he looked at uh, all the quarterbacks on tape, he said, "Hey, Trey Lance has got a higher upside. Let's let's go this direction with a quarterback who's more mobile." Uh, I know that he was aware Bill Belichick wanted Mac Jones, and I think that's why he traded up and he went with Lance. And I think he went with the wrong guy. I, I still believe, and I've said this even before the season. We, five years from now, we look back, we're going to say Mac Jones is the best of all the quarterbacks who were drafted in the first round this year. I'm a, I'm a huge Mac Jones proponent. As am uh, I. I'm furious yeah. that he didn't win the Heisman. I had so much money on that thing. <laughs> and he, I think he should have, too. Of course, he had I 40 agree. touchdowns. And it's I, so ridiculous. It's I so agree. ridiculous. I agree. But, um, you know, there's an argument to be made both ways in this game, like there is in uh, most games on the board, obviously. But they're going to be uh, they're going to be betters on the home dog here, and saying that this is a, a buy buy low spot on the Ram or on the on the 49ers. You're getting them as four point home dogs. This the line inflation, and uh, you're going to get plenty of action on the home dog. On the flip side, you're going to get a lot of people say, "Well, the Rams are the far superior team, and the Niners stink at home." You know, the Niners have not won a home game in more than a year. Gosh, it's amazing how bad they've been. But they're in the home dog role here. I think the Rams have won, I believe, four in a row over the 49ers. Uh, as of right now, I'm just passing on this game. I think it's going to be a strong two-way action game on Monday night. I, ha I might have play this by Monday, but as of right now, I'm not playing it. Yeah, I played the Rams against the Seahawks on that Thursday night game. Um, 
after losing to Arizona, right? So it was like a good team off a loss. I thought, now, granted, that was the game that Russell Wilson got hurt, so it could have gone either way. I like typical, typically good teams off a loss. I just It was just a strange performance by the Rams a week ago. I think what happened was they had played three terrible opponents, right? You had the Giants, the Lions, and the Texans. And, I, and when you win all those... I just think it's like that's where the bar is set in terms of like aggression and intensity or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd be ready to rock in a primetime game, finally facing a good opponent, and they just weren't. Uh, they got they got you know they got hit in the face basically. They got, they got it handed to them. So I, I think we're going to see a good bounce back effort. I just think the Niners will too. I just to your point, like they've been so shaky at home. <laughs> yeah, that's about all I can say about this game. I, you can make arguments for both sides, and that's why I think it's going to be a strong two way action game. Maybe I'll be on it by Monday night, but as of right now, I'm not. This is not the most attractive NFL betting card this week, but I'll come up with five plays for the contest. I got a few bets as of right now, and I got the Ravens on a teaser on Thursday night. I actually was trying to figure out who to tease the Ravens with, and uh, I was toying with the Steelers. I ended up playing the uh, the Raiders plus eight yeah, and a half. So, up. I don't do that that much. Do you do it a lot? What's that? Play the he's, dog? He's teasing up, yeah, through the numbers. I would say 75% of the time I look to tease like the seven and a half, eight point favorites down. I like to tease those favorites down, like the Ravens tonight, obviously. Mm-hmm. Maybe like the Steelers, teasing them down from eight, eight and a half to two, two and a half. That's usually the way I look at it. I just, I, I like the Raiders to win that game Sunday night, but I don't feel uh, super confident in it. And uh, right now it's hard to grab three in the market. There's mostly two and a half. So I think it's about all two and a half now. And I don't want to take two and a half. So I'd take, I took eight and a half on a teaser with the Ravens and the Raiders. I would love the Raiders if the rugs incident didn't occur and all that. That was, uh, I mean, he stretches the field too. Now they beat the Chiefs, you said well, a year ago. Sean Jackson. They got the Sean Jackson. Now, who knows? I, sometimes those guys are addition by subtraction. Uh, I'm not saying Henry Ruggs was a, you know, like, a problem in the locker room, but a guy like Odell Beckham. So yeah, no, no, of like course the Beckham might be better with without him. You know, yeah, he's just such a big, and then just also just the human element. Just they're all kind of distracted. Last week was tough for them right. to play. I mean, Carr was talking about it, but all right, man. Hey, look, really appreciate you stepping in. Solid performance. Murray now has big shoes to fill. After I got to follow you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, man. You bet anytime, and uh, good luck this weekend, to everybody. Money won is twice as sweet as money earned. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Daily Wager Extra. Of course, we have the weekday regular 10-minute podcast. Encourage everyone to listen to those plays for the day, all that good stuff. And then we got the bonus coverage Thursday, Friday, and Sunday night as well. And um, a lot of good content out there. So thank you, thanks again to Matt Humans. We'll get John Murray back next week. Great job, uh, as always, to all you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We appreciate your taking the time to do all that and uh, really helps us out here. So enjoy your weekend. Best of luck to everyone. 